Fire Nation in the house, a JLD here, and welcome to episode 1868 of EO Fire, where I chat with entrepreneurs on fire seven days a week, from accomplishing goals to launching podcasts to creating funnels and webinars that convert. I have four free courses awaiting you, Fire Nation, at eofire.com. Now let's chat with today's featured guest, Luke Havard. Luke, are you prepared to ignite? John, I was born to ignite. Yes! <laughs> Luke is a business investor, advisor, and serial entrepreneur with a deep passion and talent for buying, scaling, and selling global businesses and advising and partnering with others to do the same. Luke, take a minute, fill in the gaps from that intro, and give us a little glimpse of your personal life. Yeah, so as you said, I'm a business investor. Um, we advise businesses and we invest. Um, and uh, more recently, what I've been doing is uh, helping other businesses to leverage their intellectual property and uh, essentially take what they did to grow their business and help others to do the same and thus acquire equity for the privilege of doing so. So that's, uh, that's what I do. Well, Fire Nation, if you are recognizing Luke's voice, that's because he joined us back on episode 701 of Entrepreneurs on Fire, which was over a thousand episodes ago. So if you want to hear his worst entrepreneurial moment, if you want to hear his aha moment, the lightning rounds where he drops value bombs, go check it out. Uh, but today we're going to be talking about something a little bit different. But before we do dive into that, Luke, I just want to ask you, what do you consider today your area of expertise? Really, it's a combination, John. We do uh, private equity. So we have a, a bigger group where we invest uh, larger sums of uh, institutional and high net worth uh, money into businesses. But I also, for myself, have a personal portfolio of smaller companies in the seven to uh, multiple seven figure range. And essentially, like I said, what I'm really passionate about doing is helping small to mid-sized companies to scale um, and to now get a piece of the upside for the privilege of helping them do so. So that's that's my kind of area of expertise. And what don't we know about your specialty, your area of expertise that as entrepreneurs, we probably should? That's a really good question. Well, for me, I really believe that, uh, you know, most businesses, they know how to do what they did to get to where they've got to. And most consultants and coaches and advisors, you know, they, they exchange their knowledge and their value for, um, you know, a payment. But what I really believe is that essentially, like I learned the hard way, when you, you know, add value in a certain way, sometimes the value exchange is not exactly fair. So I was, uh, you know, advising companies and helping them create an awful lot of upside. And then it dawned on me one day that they're creating millions and I'm getting paid peanuts. And, uh, you know, I think that's the story for most entrepreneurs. You know, they, they add a lot of value, but they don't really realize the value they're sat on. Um, and so for me, it's helping to really, I guess, highlight and educate the entrepreneurial community on how to leverage the, the value they have. So Luke, last time we talked, you were a business consultant, but you made this transition to an investor. Why did you make this move? So let me just elaborate a little bit further on what I just said. So, you know, it dawned on me one day after advising a number of companies, one being a Fortune uh, 500, uh, how to make an awful lot of upside in some deals. And, you know, I got paid a very handsome fee and that was all well and good. But, you know, when you get that aha moment, you think, hang on a minute, how much did they just make and how much did I just make out of this deal? And it just it just kind of it was a wake up call, John. It just kind of said to me, hang on a minute. You've just made and in the Fortune 500 uh, case, it was hundreds of millions of dollars they uh, banked from that deal. 
again, I got paid what I would have considered at the time handsome money, but in the grand scheme of things, it was peanuts. And I just realized, hang on a minute, if I was able to just adjust the way that deal was structured, I could make a fortune instead of the peanuts. And so for me, it was that aha moment that said, hang on, there's got to be a change that happens here. You know, and I, I looked around and I thought, who are the some of the wealthiest people in the entrepreneurial community? And it for me, every time I just found they were investors. Uh, so you look at the Forbes um, billionaire list, they're investors most of the time, or they started as an entrepreneur and now they acquire companies, you know, in amongst their uh, portfolio. So that was the the big wake up call for me. And I thought, you know what, I've got to make this transition because here's another quick insight on this that, you know, when you, from a consultant perspective, consultants typically have to pitch to business owners for the business, the work they get. But if you look at it from an investor's perspective, businesses pitch them to invest. So I just thought, you know what, I've got this the wrong way around. You know, I should have, I should be the one being pitched and I should be more selective. And it just gave me a whole different, uh, you know, positioning piece, really. And I never, I never really looked back since then, to be honest. One of the questions that I have is, do you need money to become an investor? I mean, I would guess yes, obviously, but I'm not the pro here. So, you know, obviously you can't just become an investor right off the bat, I'm assuming, if you don't have money. So is that the case? Do you need to have money? And if yes, how much? The straight answer is no. Oh, um, but in, in other words, this is the way you, this works out. So when if you're a consultant or even if you're a business and you, you really establish and you've done something pretty impressive with your own business, we have to remember that there's a lot of other people out there who haven't achieved what we've achieved and maybe they can't do what we do and they haven't got our knowledge. And, and a lot of people misunderstand and think that money is the highest value um uh, portion, but it's not. It's really, you know, it's expertise for me at least. And so, what I realized was that actually, what what I was doing in terms of consulting and helping other businesses to scale their venture, as I was exchanging my knowledge for a payment. And instead, when I said, "Listen, you know what? You still want to achieve that same result. If I can get you that result, and actually, if I can remove the risk whilst getting you that result, you don't have to pay me anything up front, or maybe a smaller portion of my fee." Would you be willing to give me a piece of your company if I could help you achieve the same result? And um, I, I put a, um, a terminology in that agreement or in those agreements that said, essentially, listen, if I can't achieve you said result, then you don't have to, you know, you can claw back that equity. And uh, to my surprise, the the first deal I worked on said, yes, I'll, I'll I'll take that opportunity. And I managed to achieve the the result that I said I could do. And, you know, I managed to get the equity for no money down. So, you know, yes, you can do it, but you really, firstly, I think you've got to actually be able to achieve a result. That's a given in any circumstance, whether it be equity or a fee. Uh, and secondly, you just got to know that, um, you know, people's priorities, their highest priority is not, um, you know, what we think it is oftentimes. If someone's got a, a real pain, a driving pain that they want to solve, you know, if you can help them to solve that pain and you can give them a solution, you know, they will be willing to do whatever it takes to, you know, get that solution. So doing my research and my homework before this interview, I noticed that you're really starting to advise a lot of people and businesses to actually start uh, mergers and acquisitions as a growth strategy. And I just have to ask you, why? Why are you doing this? Here's the thing for me. It's a case of saying, 
you know, if you have to do things, let's say the, the old way or the organic way, you can work the hard way and you can, you know, uh, go out and find more customers and you can, you know, do more marketing. You can spend more money on marketing. You can do all the things we we're told we should do. And that can take time. And there's nothing wrong with doing that. However, for me, you know, one of the, the fastest ways of being able to scale a company would be just to buy another company that's just like mine. Um, and, you know, and bolt them on and merge them because, you know, suddenly you've got that same audience that may be buying similar products to your own. But now you've got it's a double it's a two edged sword. Now you've got um, your company and your product. And now you've got their company and their product. So you can cross pollinate, as it were, and do joint ventures. And there's a, just a whole different perspective on that. You also can cut a lot of cost. So you've got the economies of scale. You know, you can cut back on accounting. You can cut back on certain um, uh, employees and staff members if you need to. I'm not saying that's the best option, but it's it's definitely feasible because um, you've got duplication there. You can cut back on offices and warehousing. So there's a lot of different things you can do in terms of increasing the value without having to have the same um, services involved, if you like. So you can really increase your revenue and your profit margin and you don't have to reinvent the wheel and it doesn't have to take years. It can take weeks. Uh, and so that was the kind of the big, um, uh, you know, light bulb moment for me. And when you talk to a lot of businesses about this, this is if you if you look at the the uh, Fortune 500s, and you look at the FTSE 100 list. This is what big companies do. They grow through acquisition. This is what Facebook's been doing. This is what a lot of the large established companies do out there. They go and they acquire competitors. They go and acquire like minded companies. If you want to move into a new sector, a new vertical, that's one of the fastest ways you can do it uh, when you know what you do. Absolutely. I mean, a lot of people don't know this, but Facebook has actually purchased Instagram, WhatsApp, Oculus Rift, which is virtual reality. And so a lot of people are saying, you know, people are going to get sick of Facebook eventually. And you know what? Maybe they will, maybe they won't. Who knows if they can keep iterating. But Facebook is so much more than just Facebook. There are all these things. Whenever they see somebody that's coming and another company that, that that's coming up the pipeline that looks amazing and is getting great audience and has just kind of nailed this niche, they try to buy them. And oftentimes they're a success. Like they tried desperately to buy Snapchat, but you know, Snapchat just wasn't, just wasn't selling. So they created Instagram stories, which is now like a big Instagram competitor. I mean, sorry, a big uh, Snapchat competitor. So one thing to think about Fire Nation is that all the big companies are doing this, but let's be honest, Luke, the strategy can't work for everybody. So let's get specific about the types of businesses that this strategy does actually work for. I think that's true. If you if you had a business that was just really weird and totally unique, I don't know, and I'm not saying if you have this business that you're weird and un- and totally unique, but if you had a stuffed owl company, for example, it might be more difficult to you know find something similar. You might try and acquire a taxidermy company, <laughs> but you know uh, it really has to. There has to be a synergy. You have to look at a market and think, okay, well, if there's Ten thousand others in the same kind of space, then that's a market you can acquire it. You know. Well, let's get specific here for a second. Like, let's mm. use entrepreneurs on fire. Like, what mm. would be an example of a business you think that I could potentially acquire? I mean, I have a business that nets millions of dollars a year. Yep. So I have capital. What would look good? Oh, you know, a, a similar type podcast. You know, if you're looking at an online digital company that has a big database, that would make sense straight away. Um, you know, they've got presence. You can just. You can double, quadruple uh, your reach very quickly. You can sell their product line to your um, prospects and vice versa. Uh, that that would be what I would look at with your type of business. I mean, there could be multiple different online uh, businesses that would fit your niche. 
Pathlin, if you're listening, I'll buy you. <laughs> <laughs> but you know that that is something that uh, right now, John, I can say we we are we are doing right away. I mean, I've got a a partner that we've partnered up with, and they're in the e-com space. Uh, they sell physical products uh, in Europe. They're a 10 million uh, euro business. And what we're looking at is finding uh, products that they're currently not selling, but they fit their audience, for example, and they can just bolt them on. Um, and they they acquire their customers. They acquire their database. They acquire the products so they don't have to reinvent the wheel. They don't have to say, listen, we're not in the, the shoe space, for example, and they're not in this. They're not in the clothing space. But if you were in, I, I don't know, the the shirt and uh dress pants space uh, this is you know american terminology here or trousers for the uk <laughs> then you could go and acquire a shoe company because you don't have to try and start creating shoes if that's not your thing you could just go buy someone or acquire them or merge with them and suddenly you've got a new product line because here's something a lot of people don't know uh, john is that you know when you look at big companies that have high valuations they, they don't just have one core product. And most people get confused when they think about, listen, uh, you know, I've got 20 products. No, you've got 20 of the same product. You know, you've got 20 of the same core product, for example. So a big thing that increases valuation, look at Apple, they have a product suite. They have a lot, they have a number of products that are all different, but all fit in a, a suite that all their customers typically will buy every single thing in the Apple suite, which I know probably you do, I do. Um, and so in the same uh, vein, if you find a, a vertical where, for example, using the, the clothing line, uh, you might be in the, the shirts, uh, retail fashion, and you want to um, have uh, dress shoes, then you would acquire the, the dress shoes company because you don't already have that product, but it will increase the valuation of your business, but it'll also increase your profit margin because you've already acquired the customer and you don't have to pay more to acquire new customers. So that's the kind of logic we look at when we're, we're doing acquisitions. It has to make sense. You, you wouldn't just buy... Um, I don't know, an auto shop or a car mechanic when you have uh, an e-commerce store for clothing. That wouldn't make sense if that, if that uh, helps uh, give an example there. Makes a lot of sense. And Fire Nation, these are value bombs. Luke's dropping them. We got more coming back when we get back from thanking our sponsors. My focus on health and wellness continues to increase, and every day I'm learning new ways to make small tweaks, like switching to mushroom coffee, a concept I first heard about on Ben Greedfield's podcast. Mushroom coffee? <laughs> yep. It's from a company called Four Sigmatic. And once I tried their mushroom coffee, I immediately realized three big things. It doesn't taste like mushrooms. It tastes just like regular coffee. There's no quick rush followed by an even quicker crash. And I don't get that acidic burn in my stomach that I did with regular coffee. Plus, it gives me a strong and steady energy force that lasts the entire day thanks to the active ingredients lion's mane mushroom, also known as smart mushroom, and used by Buddhist monks for better focus during meditation. Visit foursigmatic.com slash fire and enter promo code fire for 15% off your order today. That's F-O-U-R-S-I-G-M-A-T-I-C dot com slash fire. Promo code fire. You know what's frustrating when all you want to do is pay for services or receive money for services rendered and you end up getting hit with pricey international transaction fees. Luckily, I know of a solution 
TransferWise. TransferWise is a multi-currency account that makes it cheaper to pay and get paid in foreign currencies. That means you save when making international payments and you keep more of the hard-earned money you deserve. Here's the deal. TransferWise charges no receiving fee. They give you a great exchange rate. The fees to convert and send money are lower, and it's often way cheaper than using PayPal or your bank. So remember, when you're looking to pay for services internationally or get paid for services rendered, there's a better option, and it's TransferWise. Join the 2 million people who are already saving on international transaction fees. Head to transferwise.com slash fire to try it for free. You can also download their app on your mobile device to make payments even faster. Again, that's transferwise.com slash fire. Transferwise, as in, I'm going to do something wise today. So Luke, we're back and you've been talking about acquiring a business without actually even giving any capital to the founder. So let me ask you this. Why in the world would a business owner give away a controlling stake in their business without any capital? Good question. Well, there's a, there's a number of different reasons, and we we look at it in terms of motivation. So, uh, one that uh, is an obvious one uh, is if the company's in distress. So, if they're if they've got cash flow problems, they've got massive mountain debts that are overwhelming them. They can't uh, you know uh, easily liquidate those debts. Maybe they're burnt out. You know, this is a reality for a lot of business owners. I, I spoke to a business owner that had 50 million in revenue, but they had no money in the bank, uh, literally no cash. Um, so there's there's lots of different reasons why someone would do it. I mean, for me, I will look at distressed companies, but I'm not particularly interested in solving someone else's mess. What I'm more interested in is helping someone who's got a great product or service and helping them to scale that business. And, and for me, what I'll do is I'll say, look, if I can see how I can generate an upside for them, a significant upside, then I'll, you know, I'll pitch them on saying, listen, you know, I can help you do X, Y, and Z. Here's how much you would have to pay me as an advisor or a non-exec director in your company. But instead, you know, I want to be involved for the long term because another thing that I will see is that if you're just paid a fee to advise a company, what, what kind of um, skin in the game do you have? You know, you don't as long as you get paid and I'm not saying this is true, but sometimes as long as you get paid, that's that's your kind of that's your motivation. You've got cash. So if they don't get the desired result, well, you know, you've been paid. For me, it's a case of saying, listen, I would rather advocate my fee because I know that I can help you generate the result. And I'm so confident in that you don't have to pay me anything. Just give me a piece of your company. And and if I don't achieve the desired result, then claw that equity back. No harm, no foul. So. You know, there's a lot of different reasons. If someone, you know, you have the reputation, you have the skill set, you have the proof of concept in terms of, you know, previous clientele, which I do, then you can say legitimately, listen, I believe in your business so much. I want to become a partner in your business. And uh, here's what I've done before. And here's what I can help you do. Let's get to work. And if I can do it, then, uh, you know, I'm going to be along for the, the long haul and we're going to grow a very profitable business together. So that's for me is my motivation for doing it. But like I said, oftentimes people hit their shelf, you know, they've they've achieved and and been able to do everything that they have within them. And they've reached their capacity and they're like, I don't know what to do in order to take this business to the next level. And so for people like that, they, you know, this is really motivating for them because, you know, they don't really know who else to trust. Quite often, there's a lot of people calling themselves business coaches and advisors and mentors, uh, and they got their qualifications out of a serial box, to be quite honest. Um, and they need someone who can actually put their money where their mouth is. And, and just to kind of precursor that, I will actually invest cash too. 
But quite oftentimes I'll say, listen, you don't need cash in this deal. What you need is strategy. You need real uh, strategy that's going to take you from A to B. And, um, you know, I, I would rather just help you to do that rather than just throw money at you. So that that's kind of some of the, the conversations that we have. But like I said, we also do private equity deals, which are very different. If you're buying a multiple businesses like 20, 30, 50, then this kind of deal where you are using no cash wouldn't be applicable. You would uh, borrow high net worth uh, money where people want to invest their capital and get a real return. Uh, or you would uh, do the same with institutional money, so investment banking money. So, yeah, there's a couple of reasons why some would take a deal like this. Luke, what is the single biggest challenge that you experienced while putting a deal together? Now, a couple challenges. Number one, don't be vague. I want the single biggest challenge that you had. Take us to that moment. Tell us the exact challenge in that deal. And number two, don't be long-winded. Be concise. Keep it under two minutes. Go. Okay, so I think the the due diligence situation. I've put deals together before where I truthfully not deals. I, didn't, I want one deal, the single biggest challenge. One, get specific. Yeah, I put a deal together once, and uh, I was ready to kind of sign the paperwork on it. We'd agreed to get a ten percent cut of the deal. We were going to run paid traffic for the individual, and then we decided to do a little bit of due diligence. And lo and behold, just before we signed found out they'd been um, done on some really bad legal issues. They'd mm. kind of scammed some people out of quite a few million dollars. And so it was just a bit of a shock. And it was an embarrassment, if I'm honest, because I hadn't really dug deep enough. I thought I got this deal in the bag. It was a great looking deal. But, you know, in hindsight, I should have been, uh, you know, slower to say yes and, and done a bit more due diligence because, you know, I got I didn't get involved in the deal, didn't sign anything. You know, my reputation's fine. But that said, it could have been very different had I, um, you know, inked the paperwork because everything, you know, nowadays is on record. So that was a bit of a shock for me. And, uh, you know, I, I definitely won't go down that road again. Uh, what was the, you asked another question on that? No, it was just don't be long winded. So we'll keep it okay, there. Yeah. How's that? <laughs> yeah, that's good. Yeah. So Luke, let's end today on fire with you giving us a parting piece of guidance, the best way that we can connect with you and then we'll say goodbye. So I think for me, it's a case of um, don't assume that, you know, or, or you've only got one option in doing business. Uh, you know, I think uh, when it comes to doing acquisitions, for me, I don't believe there's a deal that cannot be done as long as you're looking out for the other person on the other side. You know, everyone's got something that motivates them uh, and everyone's got a price. And so as long as you, you're doing everything you can to serve the other party and really add tremendous value to them, you know, a good deal will get done. Uh, and I, I think that people shouldn't limit themselves. You don't need money. You don't need to have millions in the bank. Yeah, it can help. But I often think that uh, that makes people sloppy. You know, again, if you if you think, oh, just put some money into that. I know plenty of investors who've invested without doing their due diligence, especially because they, they had plenty of money and they've lost plenty of money yeah. in not uh, not actually looking behind the scenes and actually thinking, you know what? It, does this business even need money? You know, what if a business doesn't actually need money to grow and, and actually someone's trying to fix a problem within the business with money when actually they need to fix the problem instead of throwing more money at it? So that would be my uh, my advice in terms of doing deals. And what's the best way that we can connect with you? Google me. I'm, I'm all over the place. LukeHavard.com. Easy place to find me. If uh, if people are so inclined to use Facebook, then just uh, look me up on Facebook, LinkedIn. I'm very active on there. Uh, and just uh, you know, find me on my website. Shoot me a message if there's something you think we can do together. And I'll be happy to take a look at your deals and uh, advise accordingly. 
Fire Nation, you're the average of the five people you spend the most time with, and you have been hanging out with LH and JLD today, so keep up the heat and head over to eofire.com. Just type Luke in the search bar. His show notes page will pop up with everything that we've been talking about today. These are the best show notes in the biz, timestamps, links galore, and of course, You'll want to hear episode 701 where uh, Luke shares his worst moment, his aha moment, the lightning rounds. And I just want to say, Luke, thank you for sharing your journey with Fire Nation today. For that, we salute you and we'll catch you on the flip side. Thanks, John. Hey, Fire Nation. Hope you enjoyed our chat with Luke today. And if you're ready to master productivity, discipline, and focus in 100 days, visit themasteryjournal.com and I'll catch you there or I'll catch you on the flip side. When you're looking to pay for services internationally or get paid for services rendered, use TransferWise. TransferWise charges no receiving fee. And right now you can join the 2 million people who are already saving. Head to TransferWise.com slash fire to try it for free. Again, that's TransferWise.com slash fire. TransferWise, as in, I'm going to do something wise today.